uh, the summer mixtape in the Psalms again today. We've come to a section that was in, uh, assembled specifically for a road trip. Three times a year, the Israelites were instructed to travel from wherever they lived to Jerusalem for different festivals. They were referred to as the pilgrimage festivals, and families would travel, usually in caravans with others, uh, from all over the country to Jerusalem for the, the Passover in the spring and for the, the, the festival of Pentecost in the summer and the Feast of Tabernacles in the fall. It wasn't like any of our road trips today. There weren't any McDonald's or, or Taco Bell or Cracker Barrel or Starbucks or even rest areas necessarily, right? You, you, you couldn't get a slushy or a Slim Jim, uh, and you didn't have any movies to watch or Spotify to listen to. What you did have was the Songs of Ascents. It's 15 psalms, maybe you knew this, maybe you didn't, 15 psalms, Psalm 120 through 134 uh, in the book of Psalms. So this book of Psalms has 150 psalms. This little section, 15 psalms, all put together, 120 to 134, are called the songs of ascents, and they were the songs that the people would sing as they traveled to Jerusalem. Whether they were coming from the, the north, the south, the east, or the west, they always referred to going up to Jerusalem because Jerusalem was up on the highest uh, elevation in Palestine, and so they were always going up to Jerusalem. Whether they were coming south or, or west or whatever, it was always, let's go up to Jerusalem. They were ascending uh, as, as they approached the city, and they sang these songs of ascent. But also metaphorically, not just physically going up to the city, but they, they were also going up to God, right? They were, they were, uh, uh, going spiritually. They were, they were lifting themselves up to God's presence for these festivals. And so these songs of ascents were a reminder of who they were and where they were going with God. The, these songs wouldn't just be something to pass the time along the road. It wasn't just 95 bottles of beer on the wall. Like we, you know, I, I don't think there's much discipleship going on with that, right? These were, uh, these were uh, songs that were reminding the people of spiritual truth, of who God was, of, of where they were heading, of, of what it meant to live lives journeying with God. Maybe you've, you've read Eugene Peterson's book, I believe it was his first book, uh, uh, called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction, and it's a book all about these 15 psalms. And, and in it, this is what he says. He says, for those who choose to live no longer as tourists, but as pilgrims, the songs of ascents combine all the cheerfulness of a travel song with the practicality of a guidebook and map. Their unpretentious brevity is excellently described by William Faulkner. They are not monuments, but footprints. A monument only says, at least I got this far, while footprints say, this is where I was when I moved again. Now, we obviously can't study 15 psalms in one sermon, I thought, I think I just heard a, a sigh of relief right there, a large sigh of relief. Uh, I, I encourage you to read through these. I, I mean, they're, almost all of them are less than 10 verses. You can get through this, this songbook pretty quick of these 15 psalms. Uh, and, and I thought about, there, there are some themes that kind of travel through these psalms, and so I thought about maybe tackling those themes, but, but I, I don't know that I'd do any of them justice by trying to tackle them all. What I'd like to do is just zero in on one of the songs of ascents, the, the second one, Psalm 121. Now, it, it might be familiar to you. Uh, maybe you've memorized it. Maybe you should memorize it. 
there's, there's some good stuff there. Uh, put it to music. Uh, uh, sing it. Uh, it's just eight verses. Uh, let's, let's flip over to that, uh, uh, that uh, uh, second song in the Songs of Ascents, and we'll read Psalm 121 this morning. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. That's it. Just eight verses. Psalm 121. Inherent in this psalm is something that I think we can all testify to today. There's, there's something going on behind the scenes that, that, that warrants this being sung. Uh, the, the, we have something in common with those Israelite pilgrims that were traveling along that road. Uh, and, and what it is, what they had going on and what we have going on is the same. We need help. Don't point any fingers today. Don't say somebody needs help more than me, whatever. We, but we need help. Now, I don't know about you. I am pretty slow to ask for help. I like to try to tackle things myself. And a lot of times I end up getting myself into a, into a pickle in the process, right? I, I've told you before about the time I tried to fix our old garage door. And, and uh, what I succeeded in doing was uh, breaking uh, it even further and locking myself inside the garage door. Only having and, and the only way out was to disassemble said garage door in order to even get out of the garage. Uh, could not uh, fix it myself. Um, having some help definitely would have been a plus in that situation. Kind of along the same timeline, uh, uh, there, there was a time that, that we had a huge tree taken out of our backyard. Uh, it was rotting and, and hanging over the house, and, and so we, we got the, the, the tree service to come in and, and get it, but, but we had a, a wood-burning fireplace at the time, and, and uh, um, I figured that uh, we'd, we'd benefit from having them leave the wood, I believe is what it says in the, uh, in the little contract with them. And so, uh, so they, it was going to save me hundreds of dollars for them not to haul the wood away, and then I would have firewood uh, for days, for years maybe. And so, uh, so it was great. Uh, they left the wood, uh, except that the tree was, I mean, I couldn't hug around it. I would guess five feet in diameter. Well, when, when it was down, yeah, it was probably about five feet in diameter, and um, and they left it in in about ten to twelve foot logs, and I didn't have a chainsaw. Um, I had to rent a chainsaw. I, I mean, I, I hate to add up how many hours and days uh, that 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 I spent uh, cutting firewood. I, I rented the chainsaw. I, I used it so much the blade got dull. I had to I had to get the chainsaw blade of the rented chainsaw sharpened and then bring it back and then use it and then before I returned it and it was just I mean, uh, at one point one of my neighbors got sick of listening to me fight with the saw and the and the the axe and and uh, and and so he he came over and loaned me some some wedges and a splitting maul and that helped and and somebody else at some point brought over a hydraulic splitter and that was a game changer and uh, literally I mean literally this was we still it was at least six months later I, I didn't mark the calendar I should have we should celebrate it every day or every year but it was at least six months later we had cords and cords of wood for sure and I mean I'm pretty sure that that I, I would qualify as a lumberjack having having gone through all of all of that I went through I mean 
a few phone calls to some friends, and we could have literally knocked that out in a couple of days, right? But I'm kind of slow to ask for help. I, I need help. I just don't always ask for help. There was that other time, uh, same old house, same uh, uh, stuff going on around the same time frame. I needed to fix something up on the chimney, up on the roof, and and uh, I didn't have a ladder long enough to get up to the second story, so I got out the A-frame ladder and got up on the first story roof, and it's kind of an angled shed roof like this. And uh, so then I just reached down and I pulled my A-frame ladder up and uh, tried to set it up to get up to the second story. And, and uh, as I did, I looked over and my neighbors in the backyard... Uh, uh, holding her phone, and and I she waved at me and then proceeded to tell me that that she was ready to call nine one one when I fell. That was that was her that was her way of helping. Um, I I didn't fall. Here's the deal: I knew someone with a ladder that was long enough. I had borrowed that ladder before, but I didn't want to ask for help. Didn't want to bother. I just didn't want to. A lot of times and. I'm sure you're a lot better at this than me, but a lot of times uh, I like to be helpful, but I don't always do well in asking for help. And and maybe it's not with household projects, but 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 there are probably other times when we don't like to admit that we ask for help, or or we know we need help in the face of of certain troubles and challenges, and maybe we do want or need help. We just don't quite know where to turn or who to ask, or or, or we don't know where to look for help. The pilgrims traveling those roads to Jerusalem three times a year, uh, they needed help. Uh, they, they faced a, a few common troubles along the way. Uh, they, they had some things that, that would go wrong along the way. The, the roads weren't all that smooth. And depending on where they were coming from, they could be a bit treacherous as they traveled the countryside. And you could slip on loose sto- stones or, or uh, trip on the rocks or the roots. And, and, and an injury while you were on this long journey uh, wasn't anything, anything that anybody wanted to deal with. And, and so uh, one, one problem was, was just uh, navigating those roads. Another problem was the hot sun. It, it, uh, uh, there's, there's a lot of sun, uh, over in Palestine and not a lot of trees and, uh, they didn't have air conditioned vehicles and, and they were pulling, pushing and carrying supplies to last them for the, the, the journey there and back as well as their time in Jerusalem. And it was hard, hot work. And I guess we, you know, there's a lot of things that can go wrong when you get overheated and I guess we just call it sunstroke, right? There's just a lot of things that could go wrong and, and, uh, that was one common thing that, that these folks dealt with. Another problem uh, they could refer to, one word they would use is moonstroke. And that sounds a little bit weird. We don't necessarily talk about that. But it's actually the word lunacy. Uh, you know where that is. Uh, and uh, some of you more than us. No, I'm... Um, they would get fatigued, right, and overly stressed out or worn down and, and even anxious, and, and uh, they were, it, it affected their emotional state. And, and, and a lot of times they would blame the, 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 the moon for affecting some of that. Sometimes it would happen more at night than during the day, and, and probably a lot like uh, when, when we have a full moon, you know, oh, everybody's crazy, right? Well, school's starting, right? And so, so you don't want to be at school on those full moon days because it's causing... Um, so, so that lunar, lunacy, that's where that word comes from, uh, that, that they would deal with this, this issue of moonstroke. <laughs> Psalm 121 addressed all those concerns, right? It says, he won't let your foot slip. The sun won't harm you by day, nor the moon by night. Of course, there were other problems. This wasn't an exhaustive list of problems, but 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 those folks uh, uh, who would sing this song on those trips, they knew they needed help, and we need help 
too. Now, we have air conditioning and sunscreen and vehicles with engines and rest areas and McDonald's along on our road trips. I'm not talking about help on the road trips, but as we journey the roads of our lives, we face all sorts of things that can throw us for a loop, right? I mean, there's war in the world, and there's political and social unrest, and we face disease, not just COVID, but, but all the other stuff too, you know? And, and even uh, uh, lately in our, in our church, there are several people going through uh, uh, physical issues, and, and there, there's all sorts of, of those types of things. We carry emotional baggage, and, and we struggle with depression and anxiety and all the rest, and there's relationship issues. I mean, we, we face traumatic experiences. Oh, we need help. The question is, I don't think we debate that. We, we all would agree with that. We need help. But where do we go to look for help? Psalm 121 has some great imagery here, right, of, of lifting our eyes to the mountain. I love the mountains. If I probably could have asked you, road trip, would you rather uh, go to the beach or the mountains? That's always one of those. And and uh, talked to somebody this weekend that uh, that this summer went to both, and so they they didn't have to choose. And so that's great. Would you? I I, I would choose mountains probably over the beach. But but there's there's something majestic and strong and beautiful and peaceful about about the mountains uh, or a mountain scene or just looking up to the mountains and seeing that. One way that many people read Psalm 121 is, is like that. I'm, I'm looking to the hills. I'm looking to the mountains. There's strength and beauty in nature. And, and I'm reminded of who God is as I look to the mountains and, and He is my help. And, and that could be what this song of a sense is, uh, is referring to, but the scholars say probably not. No, instead, the hills, the mountains, weren't necessarily something that traveling pilgrims were looking forward to. It was treacherous terrain. There were thieves hanging out on those winding roads, and and uh, they could slip and fall and all those things that we talked about a minute ago. But but even more, and this is this is what most scholars agree on, that that the hills around Palestine were the places where the the, the Gentile pagans worshipped their gods. They worship the sun and the moon and the stars and the fertility of nature. And, and the Old Testament is full of references of, of shrines and altars built to foreign gods on the high places. Wherever there was a hill or a mountain of any significance, there would be some sort of shrine or, or some sort of, of pagan ritual taking place uh, at different times. The mountains were places where the pagans looked for help. They looked to their false gods that were unreliable at best. So we have to ask ourselves, are there places that we look for help when we're facing problems? Places that that many people look, but they're unreliable at best. Some uh, might go to vices, right, to cope with with uh, uh, substances, alcohol or drugs or overeating or whatever the case might be. We we try to forget our problems as we as we disengage. Others might go to the self-help wisdom in uh, wisdom. Maybe we need to put that in quotes in in books or online or podcasts or whatever. We we uh, uh, try to get uh, get wisdom, and there might be some nuggets of help there, but nothing that can can solve the everything. Others might turn to politics, thinking that the government can fix what's ailing us. Uh, you you might think that that money can solve your problems. Just get a little bit more and everything will be solved. And I look to my bank account for help. Where do you look for help? Let me tell you today, 
Real help doesn't come from the places that the world looks to, uh, the mountains where so many people go for help. Uh, your help comes from the Lord who made the mountains, right? Our help is from the creator, not the creation. Real help comes from God. So as we read that, it's not necessarily that we're appreciating nature and, and God made it and oh, I feel better because God's, I mean, we can, we can read it that way and find some, some encouragement there, but, but, but it appears that the real message is, uh, where does my help come from? Well, it doesn't come from those false gods that everybody else turns to. My help doesn't come from the mountains. My help comes from God who made the mountains. And we need to know that that creator God that we serve is always awake and on the job. It, it was pretty common for, for the priests of those pagan gods uh, to, to have to, part of their job description, I guess, was, was to awaken the gods. Uh, maybe you remember the story of Elijah up on the, up on the mountain, and he had a, a, a competition with the, with the priests of Baal, one of, the, one of those gods, and, and uh, they were calling out and calling for fire from heaven, and, and Elijah starts taunting them, and I don't know if he did this, but I think he probably did this. And, uh, and, and he said, maybe, uh, maybe he's asleep. Maybe he's relieving himself. Maybe he's, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a great story. Look it up. It's, uh, uh, all about Elijah and the prophets of Baal and, and how God came through when those, when, when Baal didn't. One of the common things they would do was to awaken the gods because it seemed like they weren't paying attention because they weren't, because they weren't really gods. But that's a whole other sermon, I guess. The, uh, the, the point is that, uh, that our God, doesn't doze off or go to sleep. Now, I'm not saying through all of this that we can't get help from earthly sources. There are benefits to finding guidance and strength from the resources around us, but we need to realize that it's God who created those resources for us. We, we need to know that their help is limited. Uh, uh, our help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The, the, the psalm says uh, over and over again that, that the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, is, uh, is looking out for you. He's watching over you. The word used here is actually uh, the, the, the word translated most as guardian or guard. Now, that term guardian has uh, gotten a resurgence lately. You've got the guardians of the galaxy, right? And uh, those uh, ragtag team of superheroes who managed to uh, get the job done despite their bumbling ways, right? Here in Northeast Ohio, we, uh, we are very familiar with the, the guardians. Most of us didn't know about the guardians of the traffic until they, uh, they decided to name our baseball team the Cleveland Guardians, right? And so we've got guardians coming out our ears now, right? So we've got, we've got the guardians of the traffic, uh, on Memorial Bridge, and then we've got the, the, uh, the, the baseball team, the Cleveland Guardians. Uh, we've got guardians of the, long before any of that, long before any of that, the people of Israel, we're singing about God being their guardian. At least six times in these eight verses, the, the, the Hebrew word for guard or guardian is used to describe who God is and what he does for his people. Anytime it mentions, if you're reading through it, anytime it mentions that he's watching over or, or keeping, uh, preserving, all of those, that's the word for guard or guardian. The word can also be translated as sentry or watchman or doorkeeper or, or even shepherd. God is watching over us. He's looking out for us. He's protecting us. He's our guardian. 
As those people traveled those roads, they would sing about God's protection from their feet slipping and from the hot sun and from lunacy. Uh, their guardian never sleeps. And then in verse 7, this song goes all the way to say that God would keep them from all harm. And this is where we might start going, oh, well, let's pump the brakes a little bit, right? All harm? God protects me from any problem. We just said we have a bunch of problems. We need help. Uh, how is God now going to protect me from all my problems? I, I have problems. I need help. And looking at the, uh, the, the, the bulk of Scripture cover to cover, uh, the Bible pulls no punches that we will have difficulties in this life. Uh, following God does not exempt us from facing problems. Sometimes following God increases the problems, it seems like, right? In in the message translation, in verse 7, I, I think it helps to, to get us started down the road toward understanding what the psalmist is meaning here. It says, God guards you from every evil. It's not from any problem that you might face, but he guards you from every evil. Scripture does not promise an exemption from difficult things if we follow God. What it promises is protection from all the evil in those difficult things. Here's uh, Eugene Peterson commenting on this section. The promise of the psalm, and both Hebrews and Christians have always read it this way, is not that we shall never stub our toes, but that no injury, no illness, no accident, no distress will have evil power over us. That is, will be able to separate us from God's purposes for us. Not all the water in the oceans can sink a ship unless it gets inside. Nor can all the trouble in the world harm us unless it gets within us. That is the promise of the psalm. God guards you from every evil. Not the demon in the loose stone, not the fierce attack of the sun god, not the malign influence of the moon goddess, not any of these can separate you from God's call and it's the same truth found in Romans chapter 8, right, where uh, Romans eight twenty eight, God uh, works all things together for good to those who love God and are called according to all things, uh, good things, uh, bad things, things that we think are bad, but they're really good. All that God works our lives together for his good. It says at the end of that chapter in Romans chapter 8 that nothing in this world or even beyond this world, nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's, it's the same truth of Psalm 121 that uh, pilgrims had been singing uh, for thousands of years already. God will keep us from every evil. I think a big mistake we can make as we journey this life with God is that if and when we face difficult things, we assume that it's because God must have fallen asleep on the job or that he has more important things to do than to watch over me. Singing the truths of Psalm 121 makes it crystal clear that God does not take breaks. He is always watching over you, over your life. When you come, when you go, as you travel difficult roads, he is your help. He will keep you from all evil. Again, Peterson says, the Christian life is going to God. In going to God, Christians travel the same ground that everyone else walks on. Breathe the same air, drink the same water, shop in the same stores, read the same newspapers, are citizens under the same governments, pay the same prices for groceries and gasoline, <clears throat> right? 
This was written 20 years ago. Still, it affects the same right here. Uh, we fear the same dangers, are subject to the same pressures, get the same distresses, are buried in the same ground. The difference is that each step we walk, each breath we breathe, we know we are preserved by God. We know we are accompanied by God. We know we are ruled by God. And therefore, no matter what doubts we endure or what accidents we experience, the Lord will guard us from evil. He guards our very life. Where do you look when you need help? Do you try to go it alone so your neighbor has to call 911? Do you turn to all sorts of, uh, of earthly answers? Our help, followers of God, our help comes from the Lord, the one who made this life for us. We can trust him. Uh, we, we, have to, uh, we don't have to take cautious steps, wondering what evil might befall us at the next bend, around the next bend. A life of faith is a life with God, our guardian, who protects and defends and strengthens us. He watches over your life, your coming and going now and always. I heard a story this week about a man who lost his wife, leaving him as a single dad to his six-year-old son. The night after the funeral, both father and son were physically and emotionally exhausted, and, and as they got ready for bed, the boy asked if he could sleep uh, in his dad's room, and of course father said yes, but neither one could get to sleep, and they tossed and turned and tossed and turned, and, and after a bit in the darkness, uh, the father heard his son ask, Daddy, are you looking at me? Because if you are, I think I can go to sleep. Of course, the father said, yes, son, I'm looking at you. And a few minutes later, he could tell his son's breathing had changed and was heavy and he had fallen off to sleep. It was then that the father silently slipped out of bed and walked over to the window and looked up at the night sky. And, and in a whisper, he prayed, Father, are you looking at me? Because if you are, I think I can, think I can have peace. And I think I can keep going as I walk this I don't know everything you're facing. I don't know the help that you need. But God does because he is watching over your life. He's protecting you and keeping you. He's keeping you from all evil. He's your guardian. Your help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. 